Welcome to the Energizing India podcast, a program that focuses on electric mobility in India, giving a voice to this industry sector. My name is Ravin Mirchandani, and on this program we feature conversations with key protagonists and industry leaders, creating a narrative on how to facilitate faster adoption of electric mobility in India. Post COP26, most major economies have set themselves an aggressive target for reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. and there has been a very serious move with many countries launching strategies and targets to achieve zero emission mobility through battery electric and hydrogen mobility within this decade even the big oil companies are jumping on to surf this new energy wave notice how french oil company total subtly changed its name to total energies and how reliance and british petroleum now referred to as beyond petroleum have come together in india to create gobp a joint venture that will also roll out a large EV charging network over 15000 electric cars and a few hundred thousand electric bikes have already been sold in india e rickshaws on the road are already more than 2 million units if we had mentioned to you just 2 years ago before the great lockdowns that this is how the mobility and energy sectors were going to evolve in india within the next 700 days you would have likely laughed us out of the room and unsubscribed to our podcast So, the big move to electric is well underway, but some questions still hamper the decision-making process to move from an ICE vehicle to an electric vehicle. For example, are EVs truly 100% clean mobility? What happens to your new EV after the useful life of the battery? Do you need to buy a whole new set of batteries, for example? When will the finance industry get their heads around financing electric vehicle procurement? and how can the ev industry address the issue of sustainability and second life of batteries holistically these are some of the issues that we will dive into today with an industry leader best place to answer some of these questions today we speak with rajiv chaba ceo and managing director of mg motors india rajiv Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Rajiv, you are an auto industry veteran with experience across multiple international markets with top global brands such as Chevrolet, Cadillac, Opel and Buick to name a few. You were previously the managing director of General Motors India and also served as the vice president of marketing and sales at Shanghai GM in China and managing director of GM in North Africa and Egypt. Before that, you were with Aisha Motors in the mid 1990s. and even before that you had a stellar performance at the IIM in Bangalore you were also awarded the automotive man of the year 2019 award by auto car professional this is going to be such a juicy conversation with so much experience and knowledge sitting at the other side rajiv tell us how you ended up as the managing director of mg in india <laughs> so you know uh, i was um, i was in gm for many years and uh, and and uh, actually you know i i give credit to gm for whatever i am today and gm took me to various places as you mentioned uh, uh, you know to to china to shanghai to uh, shanghai to japan i was in japan to to egypt and uh, india obviously uh, and then uh, after gm i joined a private equity company and that led me to london and 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 the us and it was getting difficult for me to keep operating from india to to be part of uh, you know that company for, uh, and manage operations uh, of us from india and and travel was too much 
and as the luck would have been uh, uh, when I was in China I worked for this joint venture uh, GM joint venture with SAIC so when SAIC was planning to come to India they approached me and they talked to me and I said okay so this is kind of a startup for me so I was with them for almost one year uh, as an advisor to start with and then uh, and then I then when we formulated the company they made me MD and and that's how it happened. So, so it is interesting. And uh, and uh, like you mentioned in your introduction, till two years back, three years back, nobody believed that we would be talking about EV here in within three years of launch of this company. But yeah, here we are. There's a lot of questions going through my head now. But the first one is you, in, in fact, brought a startup to India and you brought a dissonant brand, lots of energy, uh, very virgin-esque almost in its attitude uh, in marketing and, and, and the fresh air you brought the industry. How's the journey been and how's the acceptance been for you as a new entrant in, in India? No, yeah. So so actually, you know, one thing was very clear uh, uh, that we had to do things in a different way, Ravin, uh, you know, uh, uh, because uh, if you did the traditional way, uh, most of the multinationals uh, either, I won't say failed, but they, they, they are not on the top of consumer's mind, right? So if you just continue or, or if you do the way they have done it, uh, you also would have been in the same position. Uh, and also like in India, as we know that the top two players hold uh, almost 70% market share. They 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 held seventy percent market share. Now there are good Indian players, Tata and Mahindra also. You know are trying to be in top space. So maybe the numbers have changed a little bit. But uh, but Hyundai and Maruti, you know they they held almost seventy percent market share two years back. So you know so so to so to gain something in that kind of market, uh, you had to do things in a different way. That's why we made four clear four pillars very clearly to our brand uh, positioning uh, or the entry strategy, if you call it that. The the number one pillar was the technology. And EV actually falls into that. So we said we need to be, we need to differentiate basis technology. And second was unique customer experience. Third was diversity. And fourth was community service. So even this community service and diversity is diversity, especially gender diversity. We thought that's an area where we need to differentiate ourselves. So the whole thing started with a very startup kind of a culture. In fact, we made an acronym for our culture called SPEED. S-P-E-E-D. And we said S is like startup culture. P is the passion to succeed. E is another ease of ease of doing business. Another ease execution and D is diversity. So under that umbrella of you know four pillars and the culture, we said, hey, this is how we need to do it. And technology, we wanted to differentiate right from the day one, not only in the product but also uh, everything uh, like what we do, including our systems. Uh, digital systems and, and, and the customer handling and everything. Excellent. That's, uh, in fact, quite exciting for a, for a big uh, multinational company to come to India as a startup and uh, and look at achieving uh, or carving out a space in the industry as a startup, which you've really very clearly done. We've been to your head office. Um, it's a very unique place and you can feel the passion in its design as well as the customer experience center downstairs in, uh, in Gurgaon. Um, one of the things that I think both our companies had a similar journey on was that during the great lockdowns over the 18 months, um, we chose to embrace the adventure and launch products during the lockdown, which is very unconventional. You launched, if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, two products during the lockdown, uh, virtually almost, uh, in fact, uh, and one of them was the ZSEV, your electric vehicle. How was that experience? How did you get to that? Uh, conclusion, that decision that you're going to power through, make a virtual launch, take the bookings and deliver a car through a lockdown. And how has that journey been? Is the, was the decision the correct one? 
what were your learnings uh, you know absolutely you know in in retrospect i think uh, it was it was definitely the right decision uh, and and we have been awarded because of that uh, you know uh, uh, whether it was different creative uh, launch events uh, and i would like to argue our team probably Uh, did an outstanding job and probably the best events you can imagine during that I mean, that gave us the opportunity to showcase our marketing um, marketing strength you know and or and 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 the way our team uh, uh, did those kind of shows were unbelievable unbelievable in my opinion but that's only one part of it that's only the front end the back end was more difficult frankly the back end was like you know to uh, to still manage the timelines to get all the material and also you know as as you can imagine being part of multinational you have lots of when you launch typically you get a lot of experts on the ground who help you and who teach you and guide you and mentor you because lots of things are very new uh, so for zsev like it was totally new uh, thing for most of our employees uh, you know uh, 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 in terms of processes and in terms of safety precautions we needed to take and and likewise gloucester you know when we launched gloucester also during the same period it was autonomous level 1 uh, uh, you know adas system we had in that car so uh, again lot of testing had to be done in india but lot of guidance was required so right from you know video conferences to you know online diagnostics to uh, you know uh, crossing the language barrier sometimes because we have experts from uk and china and and from china especially the language barrier is there so so you know all kinds of challenges the team encountered uh, but I, i must say that uh, outstanding job uh, the team did and we we were able to launch this without a single expert on the ground and frankly you know uh, if if people know what uh, if people know you know the 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 gravity of that i think it's huge because typically in any multinational especially even with our competitors also there are hundreds of experts on the ground supporting we didn't have a single expert uh, you know supporting the local team uh, on the ground you know so so i think all that was very good very challenging but ended up pretty well and on the ev part especially like you know you, uh, raven you asked i think important thing is that uh, we decided uh, four years back that evs are going to be second product and minded just before the booking process just before the booking started at that one of time so in 2019 the whole industry had sold only 2000 cars there were only two players uh, and very minor players i would say and 2000 was the annual sales but for zs ev in one month we got 2000 bookings more than 2000 bookings so that told you that there, there were early adapters and this wave was just coming and now i think it has hit us Uh, you know and i'm sure when we go more into conversation about ev you know uh, two wheelers three wheelers i think the tipping point is already happening in my opinion four wheeler would happen very soon uh, and uh, and so so yes we couldn't have imagined as you said in the introduction uh, till two years back uh, uh, that this is going to be kind of a mainstream conversation but i think it's becoming very important you're absolutely right this you, you, we used to see an electric vehicle once a month and then we started seeing it once a week now you see it once a day maybe once an hour you're starting to see the green number plates everywhere particularly cars and the, the, the scooters have become ubiquitous just like in china how many mg zsevs are on the road today in india yeah we should have sold more frankly but because of this chips issues uh, you know we are not able to uh, produce uh, so we have sold close to 5000 evs uh, approximately so far uh, and all this during this covid period uh, but the good news is that we are getting bookings of approximately 6 to 700 bookings every month and and we are able to supply only 200 or 300 so so that's the gap 
you know and and mind it zsv is not a uh, not a cheap car you know that this is around 25 lakhs of rupees so so at that price point we get 600 to 700 orders a month which frankly has surpassed all expectations um uh, what we had So can we dwell on that just a little bit because um the, you know it's a pertinent point the MG ZSEV's 25 lakhs the Hyundai Kona is just slightly above that and then at the other end of the spectrum you've got the Nexon at 16 or 17 lakhs and the Tiguan at 10 or 12 and there's a host of Tata vehicles coming in at that level as well yet you are getting such an enormous amount of demand what has changed in the Indian market what is this new dynamic you're seeing that you're getting an adequate level of demand at a premium price is that is there a very clear delivery of value uh, in the in the range that the zsev has or have you seen another change in the customer decision making dynamic to be honest few things you know number one this whole uh, talk around ev uh, you know which is led globally you know uh, so so there is a there is a global push and 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 i don't want to get into all this paris convention to cop26 which just concluded and you know everyone has realized uh, at least at least the decision makers and the top politicians have realized that that, uh, that we need to go towards they were talking about carbon neutrality to net zero now and, and net zero targets have been given so that's the starting point globally then uh, uh, regulators and climate activists and politicians all are moving towards sustainable solutions rightly so for our globe then within that now consumer awareness also has started happening so all the energies i would say are getting aligned towards more cleaner solutions so activism to regulators to politicians and consumers uh, intent and desire now and within consumers i would say the younger generation you know younger generation is getting more and more that because you know they are saying hey listen we need to really be much more bothered than the oldies because oldies have spent their life primarily but they they are bothered rightly so right so so the whole the awareness and the consumer knowledge uh, i think i think is is also pushing now when we come to the indian scene um, frankly here consumers are st- even right now are ready to consume more but uh, but they are looking for solutions unfortunately solutions from oems have not been forthcoming at that speed uh, i would still say uh, and feel very happy and proud of the fact that four years back we decided to launch zsev as our second product uh, and minded uh, raven we were like criticized a lot and there were a lot of naysayers and a lot of people who said why the hell would you launch the second product as ev the first was hector second was that as ev and 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 lots of guys question that you know uh, uh, but like you know as you are seeing the numbers and and, and the very fact that we are have, getting into this conversation around that as ev and ev uh, you know testifies that uh, you know we predicted the thing pretty well i would say you know uh, so so you know uh, now more and more choice probably if people get the numbers will increase exponentially in my opinion uh, as far as zsev uh, i think i would argue in this price point uh, uh, around that price point is the best ev in the country you know you may get some high end cars for 70 80 lakhs or 1 crore but you know how many guys can spend that kind of money uh, so so f- for size for technology for range finesse quality of interiors I think this is the best package in the country as of now. I would argue ZSEV, you know, and that's why we are seeing queues uh, uh, for for this uh, car. But but we are not done yet, and we definitely want to launch more EVs as we go forward. 
So I'm going to probe you on that, Rajiv. Twen in 2022, you know, you've got the, the Mini electric that's coming, the Volvo S40 electric version, the Mercedes EQA. Tata is going to launch two or maybe three vehicles at the lower end of the spectrum. Have you got some uh, electric vehicles planned for this 2022-23 uh, uh, fiscal year? Yeah, so we have already announced, uh, Revin, that uh, we are going to, our next car is also going to be an EV. So we have launched already four products. Uh, you know, Hector was the first connected car, second was the EV, the third was Gloucester, which was autonomous level one, and the fourth was Aster, which again, like we upped the ante on technology, and it was the first AI-assisted, uh, you know, uh, uh, voice-assisted uh, uh, car, as well as autonomous level two technology in Aster in that segment for the first time. So these are the four cars which we have launched the fifth one is going to be another EV and, and here we are going to test the price point between 10 lakhs and 15 lakhs and hopefully that should be a tipping point towards more volumes in my opinion. The second bugbear uh, for the industry uh, of faster implementation and this is a standard response we get across the industry whether we speak to regulators, policymakers, grid service providers, startups, software companies, charging companies or EMs such as yourselves. The big challenge for 2022 is access to finance, uh, access to finance to fund battery factories, to fund startups, but more importantly, also um, to fund uh, consumers who want to buy a car. And for a long time, finance companies and banks couldn't get their heads around an electric vehicle loan because they didn't understand the life of the battery, how the car was going to behave. How have you addressed that and what changes have you seen in the last 12 months? So, 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 uh, actually, Raven, very, very pertinent questions and uh, timely questions, I would say, you know, and uh, as the luck would have been, we haven't seen uh, yet, uh, you know, gap from uh, demand side. So, you know, our demand is much more than supply. So, frankly, we have not really faced this problem on this car. But as you go towards more volume and when you go for more customers, I, I think this this point has to be addressed. And also, as the luck would have been before COVID, we were talking to or rather fleet companies were talking to us because because of the lower cost of ownership it makes a lot of sense commercial sense for fleet companies to own it and for them financing is very important right so so actually this issue is going to come up very soon uh uh i would guess maybe for tata because their volumes are much more already it is an important issue for us also it will become especially with our second car will become an important issue so there are two three things here you know, uh, uh, it's not only about the battery life and warranty on battery, but also oh, bankers would be interested in knowing what's the resale price of your EV, right? Because exactly. it gets linked to the resale price ultimately, right? Uh, so as the luck would have been, when when in India, few manufacturers, and I'll not name them, but few manufacturers, when they tried with, if I can say, first generation of EV, you know, those the range was not reliable, the quality was not reliable, and, and I'm sure, and most of them were used in the commercial usage. So their resale price, resale value probably was not very encouraging for bankers. And that became a data point for Indian bankers. But actually, if you look at it internationally, let's say, what's the second and resale price of Tesla? Or what's the resale price of Leaf, let's say Nissan, which came pretty early, and then Volt of Chevrolet and some other international uh, uh, international uh, products now. And, and as you know, in China, there are many products. In fact, we have done the study on resale price that actually the resale price of EV is holding up much better than the first gen cars and in fact, better than ICE engine cars. So, so actually we need to collect this data and educate everyone that when you have a latest globally, global latest 
technology in your vehicles like we have in ZS EV. In fact, the second-hand price or the resale price of the car actually can be better than ICE engine. And if not better, at least at par with ICE engine. So that is one issue, right? This is what we need to get the data and educate people. Don't go by, uh, go, don't go by the first-gen EV cars in India. Then second point is the battery. Now, now the battery, you know, eight years warranty is the seven years, eight years warranty is the standard thing which is happening globally as well as in India. You know, but but what we forget to say is after eight years, what will happen? It it doesn't mean that the car will stop running or the battery will be useless, right? Uh, only thing is the range will go down, efficiency will go down, power will go down. So you know, some customers uh, con considering the Indian. Mm, customers uh, frugal mindset and 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 things like that you know you you may see the scenario that customers will keep running the cars in the ninth year tenth year eleventh year and and by the way it may be a second hand car third hand car fourth hand car whatever right uh, and then after that you have usage of uh, i mean that will come to that separately uh, what's the usage of that car let's say after 10 years or 12 years so so here people are also talking about can we think of battery uh, finance separately and car finance separately people are also talking about battery as a service can we give it uh, to 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 especially the fleet customers so there are lots of ideas coming up um, you know uh, i think this whole thing is evolving faster than what we can imagine so i'm sure uh, battery as a service battery financing separately all these solutions are going to be there sooner than we think and uh, and that's how I think we are going to address this uh, issue. Very good answer there. And I've got 30 questions in my head coming from that, Rajiv. Um, but if I were to put myself in the consumer's shoes and when we talk to consumers, they, you've raised a very pertinent point. They always say, Art sal baad kya? And so where do you see this uh, industry evolving? Do you actually see batteries being replaced? Or do you see uh, us going towards the big American-style junkyards with cars that are then harvested for spare parts? What is the what is the life cycle of an EV going to be beyond the life of the eight-year battery? So, so I think nobody knows exact answer. As I said, this whole thing is evolving. But few things which we can learn. And by the way, nowhere... If I can say, I think I think I'm right. Nowhere car has completed eight years of life yet, right? Uh, because because even uh, the oldest Tesla would be what four years old, five years old, you know. So 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 you know, uh, still we have to see that. But a country like India probably needs a different kind of a solution than Western markets because you know here, as you know, we, our our nature is to uh, repair rather than replace. Right. Uh, and the cost of cost of that uh, maintenance or the cost of ownership is very, very important in our in our cost context. So so in out in other markets, you know, the solutions probably would be and I don't know exact answer, but the solutions would be, uh, you know, uh, uh, that that the third hand customer probably will will because he has paid a very small price to own that third hand car uh, will agree to uh, lower power lower range maybe without ac usage and can expand the life of the car beyond eight years for sure in 10th year 12th year so that's one possible usage and the second thing is in, in indian context i would like to believe uh, you know because because you know we have cells and then modules and then battery management system and things like that so 
can we think of replacing cells and modules and 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 giving a kick to the life of battery uh, maybe that's possible uh, you know uh, and the third would be uh, you know uh, that you take the battery for uh, some alternative usage or re or, or repurpose that battery and and maybe uh, give a good good price uh, for that used battery to the consumer if battery was financed separately so in this case as an example and even you may be knowing that uh, even two years back we started talking to companies like Exicom and Tata Power and all and then and through them we are talking to some uh, uh, telecom companies that uh, energy for energy storage purposes uh, I think these batteries are ideally suited for telecom towers so can they use it uh, we are also talking to Terry uh, and Terry came with an idea that can we see repurposing of these batteries for rural uh, electrification you know so we have not made very uh, we've not made headway into that direction yet but those are the ideas which we are grappling with so i'm happy to say that because we are one of the um, uh, one of the uh, first comers into this whole thing so uh, we are working a lot with a lot of like-minded people like-minded institutions trying to create this whole ecosystem to learn uh, this whole thing industry together and 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 evolve so second usage of battery repair of battery uh, expanding the life of the battery and then last is urban mining you know that if nothing else works out uh, or maybe as an example, I'm just saying it for the heck of it. In the 15th year of the battery, then then everything, then what do you do? And then you try to take the minerals out of it. So call it urban mining. And for urban mining, we have joined hands with three companies, as you know, Tesam, Yumicore, and now Atiro. Uh, you know, uh, that, you know, how do we how do we take out these minerals and, and, and recycle the whole thing uh, back into the industry? So, so these are the possible things. And I'm happy that we are working on all the fronts right now to learn. So you've touched on second life. And, and then the comment that you made is you could have a static energy application, such as uh, cell site towers, uh, village electrification, all, all very valid, where you do not need the torque, you don't need the speed, you don't need the range, you just need a steady state power supply and you could get a, a bigger punch with lithium ion instead of lead acid. So technically a battery wall could work for a village, for example. Um, is this going to be part of the business plan of MG or are you looking to set up an ecosystem as you've just described with the three or four companies that you have either invested in or partnered with to be able to create this sustainability in the in the value chain that MG is creating? So, 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 so Ravin, I'll tell you uh, one important thing about our company and about our culture, uh, you know, which leads to probably which will give you some idea about uh, the answers, you know, um, if anyone comes to us, our company saying that he's into any part of EV business, EV business, we at least ensure that that person is given the audience. And, and we have a special team of people who, who talk to these guys. So you can be on the battery side, life cycle side, you can be on the infrastructure side, battery management, uh, charger management, you know, supplies of chargers. So that's how we have learned, frankly, Revin. You know, we, we don't claim that we knew everything. Frankly, whatever language I'm using and talking to you today, till two years back, I didn't know even 10% of it. And you said already, I'm a Buddha, I'm a veteran, so I didn't know, <laughs> you know, so, 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 you know, so we are learning, we are learning. So the good thing is that we have that kind of uh, culture and atmosphere in our company. And by the way, on that note, even uh, one, one person who heads our, uh, you know, this whole initiative is Neha and she's a young girl, uh, she's a young woman of maybe what? 31, 32 years old, um, and and she heads the whole operations for EV for us. And, and then there's a younger guy, maybe 24, 25 years, like your own car, uh, 
you know uh, heading heading ev because these guys are 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 are, are more adept and, and and smarter than us on in new technologies to be very frank you know and so so yes so we are partnering with uh, all these new companies who are trying to make impact trying to make business case on the ev side um, uh, so you know um, like i said that on the charger side we have already joined hands uh, including a very small thing which is not uh, related to our uh, topic today but i'll just give an idea that uh, uh, that even how do you install a charger at someone's home you know uh, uh, and 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 our dealers don't know they have never done it right so so we we encouraged a company to have a startup in that area who basically just go and and do the load study of that particular place Uh, talk to discom companies uh, to you know how to get the enhance the load or get the cable and things like that and and that's a startup by the way called e charge base into that area and because we give charger as part of the part of the package right so so you know even that is something to learn and by the way these companies are going for they are recruiting some retirees from you know discom disc disc companies like you know who 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 know how to handle that part of the business something very new so so that's why uh, here the ecosystem is important collaboration is very important partners will do lots of different things uh, the new revenue stream i think is important so right now raven as we speak we are uh, we are encouraging uh, uh, what would be the new business model for dealers if suppose more evs more evs get added to their portfolio what happens to their revenue uh, you know in workshop revenue and sales revenue uh, so that's one area uh, then life cycle management of battery battery as a service uh, you know uh, so so whole new areas are there so without partners frankly and without uh, ecosystem we can't be successful so so i'm happy that uh, our our mindset is that where we are willing and talking to many many uh, people and companies um you talked about urban mining and uh, of course it's going to become very important because it's often said that the biggest mines for lithium in india are in people's drawers top drawers because they used mobile phones that they never get rid of or if they get rid of they uh, they go into landfill and then as as with everything in india you have we have jugad and the urban mining that happens today is very unsafe you know when the e- when the e-rickshaws first came to delhi we had street level recycling of lead acid batteries and uh, you know a lot of a lot of poison was leaching into the rivers because that's what's happening at street level the same today is happening when people are doing urban mining of lithium batteries because they're done on small scales they're done with high temperatures in little sheds how do in your opinion how do we evolve this industry to become regularized regulated and take the mafia element out of it because it's not uh you know it's not the pot of gold that's sitting from from poverty that you can that you can leach but it's actually a regulated regularized industry with a very determined way of how you do the urban mining how 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 can we do this better actually even you you made an important point here uh, you know typically if i just categorize this whole as scrap and scrap disposal is a dirty thing in india right and 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 typically you have rag pickers collecting this uh, scrap uh, or 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 there may be institution, institutions who do this uh, as a business but again it's not really considered a very uh, premium high end kind of a business right and it has its own safety issues it has its own landfill issues uh, and, and and environmental hazards issues and things like that you know safety of individual safety of environment uh, or you know and and safety of to people you know uh, 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 there are whole kinds of things now when it comes to e waste it becomes even more uh, dangerous 
you know and and becomes more important for us to deal with that uh, now when when it comes to ev then we are talking about battery and 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 it has two things one is obviously disposal which is uh, related to the scrap part but recovery of uh, metal just imagine when you are we are as of now we know and maybe for the next two years we'll keep importing cells right because and the government has come out with this uh, pli scheme on uh, chemistry acc and um, hopefully there should be some uh, cell generation and cell production and battery production in real sense in india hopefully in three four years time but till that we are going to keep importing so you have e-rickshaws you have two wheelers you have three wheelers two wheelers December sale itself was 40,000 units in a, in a single month, right? With the FAME scheme, PLI scheme and everything, government is trying to push us in the right direction, rightly so. But then just imagine the kind of, uh, the kind of imports you will do because of this sale. And then if suppose we don't have safe disposal system in our country, which was the case till a few years back and, 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 and these, some companies like Umicore or, or Tesem with whom we joined hands, they were actually exporting these big batteries back to certain countries like Belgium or Singapore where they have got a huge big infrastructure to dispose safely and do the urban mining there, right? So I think it's a double whammy. First, you pay money to import and then you pay money to export and and the and the and the metals these lithium nickel copper they don't belong to you doesn't make any sense and that's why the local safe disposal system becomes very very uh, important uh, so like atiro kind of a thing frankly is going to be more and more um, more and more uh, impactful and meaningful uh, because they will do the urban mining within our own country and 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 they can recover they claim they can recover 99% of the metals through the process. Uh, and, and it's also a low-cost solution. It's not high-cost as 50 million, 100 million kind of a plant. They, they claim it's $2 million or $3 million kind of a plant in general. So I think uh, important thing here is, you know, we have taken maybe 30, 40 years to come out with end-of-life cycle of uh, vehicle uh, policy. Right. The scrap policy has been just made uh, valid uh, or, or applicable just uh, a year back, I think, a year back. Yeah. You know, for battery, we should not do that. You know, as of now, again, uh, right now we are trying to incentivize companies and incentivize people to go towards battery. But I think soon we should come out with battery disposable policy also. Let's not wait for another three, four years. Uh, because four-wheelers volume still may be low in the next few years, but two-wheelers and e-rickshaws are already generating the waste, uh, the battery waste. You know, so it's better to come out with the policy and, and there are provisions everywhere globally like extended producer responsibility for battery disposal to OEM's responsibility to the government responsibility. So in terms of policy, I think we should definitely come out and, and, and give incentives on that too. You know, if you, as an example, uh, battery, if you, if, you, if you dispose it off safely, there may be some kind of schemes and incentives to, uh, to, 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 to encourage that kind of uh, uh, behavior, you know. So, I'm sure. so, we need to be mindful of this policy at the earliest, in my opinion. It's very, very important for, for the climate, for individuals and for the safety. Um, uh, one of the things that you, MG, have done very well is you looked at... Uh, sustainability in your manufacturing plants. For example, your, your factories have a majority of energy coming from renewable sources. Uh, you're trying to be, uh, you know, hydrocarbon free or zero emission, even in your manufacturing plants. Um, I'm interested in your journey. Why and how did you achieve it? And how happy are you with, with where you're at today? So I think I think that's a good one. So you know, uh, see, uh, I mean, we uh, wanted to make sure that it's not only on the product 
uh, where we show our attempt towards sustainability. It has to be really from your heart and it has to be reflected in each and every aspect of your business. Right. In that spirit, we started with a simple step as making a sustainable cross-functional team in the plant. You know, uh, and then we said, hey, let's at least measure our carbon footprint. At least let's see how much carbon we are emitting ourselves. Right. So we started with team. We started with carbon footprint. And then we started giving targets that, hey, can we become carbon neutral in certain uh, time frame? And, and and now, obviously, at least we have started talking also, can it be net zero within within yeah. MG India? You know, so at least all the right talks, we are doing it. Now, in that spirit of reducing the carbon footprint, the the uh, one of the big things came, which was wind, solar, hybrid energy solution in, in Gujarat. Luckily, we got uh, in touch with the vendor and, and who was doing it. So I'm really happy and very proud, frankly, of, uh, of that fact that our team was able to uh, join hands with this company, Clean Max Wind Solar. And 50% of energy is going to come from them. But also, like, you know, I'll just tell you, because of this whole cultural thing and cross-functional effort by the team, things like, you know, I'll just tell you small things like we became the first OEM uh, to implement a new chemical for degreasing process in paint shop. You know, uh, basically, which eliminates the need, uh, which which saves a lot of fuel and 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 also is very environmental friendly. Likewise, uh, we are the first OEM in um, in a particular category of OEMs, which is called non-major accident hazard category. Uh, we have started using pipe natural gas, which is more eco-friendly. You know, uh, then we have huge. We are trying to huge creating huge carbon sink now by greenification and which everyone does by the way but we are trying to do more aggressively water harvesting you know uh, things like uh, things like uh, you know co-press we have also uh, we are doing the co-processing of the hazardous material so we are trying to make a byproduct which goes into the cement industry and we are selling that so the whole landfill needs we have stopped now. You know, we used to have huge landfill needs, no zero landfill because everything, all the waste we are recycling and using. So that's how like, you know, so, and by the way, we got 14,001 environment management system certification also this year, last year. And and we are aiming for IGBC green certification. So, you know, so this, uh, this is not only on the product, but also on the process and not only about recycling, but also energy efficiency and, and, and waste elimination and things like that. So, so I think the whole gamut of things we are trying to work on uh, to to do to do our bit in this. Um, our own assessment is that people buying uh, cars in 2022 will buy an ICE car for the most. You know, four or five percent will choose to be EVs. But three years from today, or four years from today, when that cycle comes again and they're replacing that car, uh, an electric vehicle will be a very natural choice. So in fact, we might be seeing the last cycle for a majority of people in buying ICE vehicles in the next two years, after which when they replace it, the natural choice will be electric vehicles, which means the tipping point you were talking about is sometime late in this decade. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, yeah. In fact, you're right. And and uh, and actually, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, uh, you know, the biggest concern, adding on to my first part again, uh, that uh, uh, biggest constraint is the is the choice of is a lack of lack of uh, product availability to a consumer. Uh, and, and even right now, um, in fact, uh, the latest surveys say that 
40% of the consumer are looking or willing to look at the EV choice if they have, you know, which was maybe less than 10% two years back. So now 40% of the customers are willing to look at. So, so I think in terms of pricing point, I would say that the moment you have more choice around 10 lakhs of rupees, uh, uh, from pr pricing perspective, that is going to be the tipping point because at that point of time, in th in those kind of cars, you can like scooter, you can probably plug it in in 15 amp uh, uh, socket. So so 10 lakhs, uh, anyone who can get a good product around 10 lakhs of rupees, uh, a compelling product, I think will be uh, the tipping point. Uh, and and again, yes. People need to have confidence and assurity about the resale price, the battery usage, the chargers availability in case of emergency and things like that. All these things will evolve. So I would see in two-wheeler case, I'm absolutely clear in my mind that in 10 years time, India will not have a single uh, ice uh, two-wheeler. In eight or 10 years time, you know, and by the way, we have a huge volume, right? Huge market. So that's why I'm saying eight or 10 years. Uh, I think no ice engine in two-wheelers. Um, and cars, uh, I would, uh, I think more uh, product availability may surprise us, you know. And now because of this PLI, I'm seeing uh, that even uh, other players who are probably not very aggressively showing their intentions at least, uh, they also are becoming part of it. So it may be in the next, you're right. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I've taken a, a, a long route to answer this question because I was thinking while talking to you. Uh, I think in three, four years time, uh, this whole acceleration may surprise us even on two-wheeler. So I'm conscious of the time, Rajiv, you're a busy man. The last question I want to ask you is when we ask all uh, the talent, the guests who come on our show, and it's a very frivolous question, but we ask it because it gives a very clear answer always. And that question is this. If you had the opportunity to be Prime Minister of India for just one day, one day, and you could make any decision you wanted for faster adoption of electric vehicles in India, what would that decision be? I think, uh, think about the whole um, uh, uh, ecosystem, right, from cells to um, localization of uh, electric, electric uh, components to producing of cars to battery disposal, the whole life cycle, the whole whole chain, whole supply chain, right from cells to uh, battery life cycle has to be seen uh, as one. And I think this would be, uh, I won't say uh, prime minister or whoever, but the job of the policymakers. You know, you cannot look at only one piece of it and see electric vehicle. Like, you know, you come out with a strategy on cell or you come out with a strategy on uh, producing more cars. You know, the whole supply chain has to be seen, including, uh, you know, how do we, uh, including how do we become self-sufficient in most of these things. And maybe certain part of the strategy you decide that we will not be self-sufficient we will import and by the way when you import doesn't mean that uh, you know you are dependent on one country because while imports also you may have choices as an example in oil uh, you don't import oil from one country you import oil from many countries right likewise likewise in battery you know you may you may decide to have partners not only from china but also from japan or korea you know, so so I think there are choices. So the whole, um, if if I am the top policy maker of this country, I will look at it from the whole supply chain perspective. And trust me, it's not very complicated. Excellent answer. Thank you for that, Rajiv. This has been one of our most enjoyable conversations. Uh, very candid, very refreshing, lots of gyan. Thank you very much for having made the time for Energizing India. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. And uh, I, I also love talking and uh, I hope it made sense. Thank you very much. 
I'm your host for this episode, Ravin Mirchandani. But I would not be here without the amazing Energizing India podcast team. Onkar, our podcast director and the man who makes it all happen in the end, much like a big fat grand Indian wedding bringing together the research data and attention to details all in the timelines to get the next episode out on time. Three Vikram, our podcast co-host and head of research, and Sunil, who along with me is executive producer of our program. The Energizing India podcast is an Ador Digatron production giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes or our own portal energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode. Thank you.